so much of that is just you have to package it correctly where you can kind of like trojan horse it into the to the hardcore scene where you know if if you do it this way people are like absolutely not but as soon as you do it like if there's old english font then it's like oh well, maybe i love this band like you know like that kind of thing <laughs> you just have to like you just have to sneak it by them Uh, but yeah, That's without so cool. further ado, I love that band. Uh, let's uh, jump into the podcast. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure podcast. Today, we are going to be fusing hardcore and hip hop and meeting in the middle with uh, Brandon of Fox Lake. Uh, thank you for joining me on the show, my guy. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've been listening to the episodes to kind of brush up, and I'm excited, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandon and I have been in the DMs um, kind of since October, November-ish, and we've been planning and trying to figure out timelines to uh, sit down and, and do some chats. So glad we're finally here. Um, for the few folks at home who might not know who you are or what you do in the band, can you give me a proper introduction and uh, where you're based as well? Yeah. Um, so I play guitar for the band Fox Lake. Um, we are based out of Denver, uh, Denver, Colorado. We've been a band for around three years, four years in some form or another. Um, the band kind of started off as a couple different combinations of a couple different things. It was, you know, two of the, two of the members were in one band. I was in another band and then they were writing some demos and as time kind of went on, it kind of evolved into something else so there's not really a definitive time where we where we said this is the band now but uh but yeah it's been about three years since we since we first kind of wrote our first songs and started working on it in the current iteration yeah and you guys uh recently in the last couple of months uh put out a, a an lp called silence and violence and uh been on a constant repeat uh brandon actually just randomly sent me the masters and was like hey if you want to check this out and uh you know sometimes like i get a plethora of that but i think the way that you presented it was like yeah i'll, I'll give it a shot and i was honestly blown away so i'm definitely excited to be chatting yeah. about that release uh before we get super into the conversation though we gotta check some bevs so yeah. i'll let you go first as the guest of this show and uh tell me what uh you'll be sipping on so I just got a full gallon of this uh, Arizona green tea, man. This is this I uh, I got this as a white elephant gift from some of my friends because I I I'm sober and so uh, whenever I hang out with a specific group of friends, they all get insanely drunk and they they love to party like just animals. And so the joke is that I always have to have like a separate beverage because whenever we get together, they all bring six packs and they all you know they've got tons of booze. And nothing, and I'm always looking around for something to drink, and I end up with like tap water. So, this was the joke: was that they were like, "Well, we'll get you a big old gallon of gallon of green tea, so next time we hang out, you'll have something to drink." Yeah, and and those ones will at least last you for a little bit. I'm not sure how how much green well, tea we'll you're see. taking on a on a daily basis. <laughs> I'll cruise through it pretty quick. This should last a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the same. Like this is the very first year around Christmas where I've actually made uh, my own Christmas cookies. Um, I did like a zoom call with my mom Ooh. and we like got it, but I was like, I really have to like, you know, put the brakes on this. Cause when, when I was living at home years and years <laughs> and years ago, it was like just eating so many cookies all the time. So got to put pump yeah. the brakes. Uh, I'm drinking, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, as far as a, a Bev connoisseur, I believe you need to, you know, uh, drink the Bevs that you, you know, the rare finds, but also be always on the hunt and finding new things. So um, a little bit of context. Uh, so this is what I'm drinking. Uh, it's a, a sparkling water. I don't know how you say oh, that what? last word. Can you help me out? It's K-E-F-I-R. Uh, but it's a strawberry northern plant. Um so the the brand called Northern Loop, Planet. I've had like they had like a like an orange juice, like it's like a super orange juice okay. or something, and then they had all these other like ener like uh, energy shot, not energy sh shots, but those like um, 
those uh those shots of like just straight ginger and lemon juice those, that kind yeah. of shit yep um so they started doing these and uh yeah i was just reading the side before we got on the call here and apparently there's more than two billion gut-friendly bacteria on here so i man that always cracks me up because like bacteria is literally microscopic so like you see commercials and people talking about kombucha and stuff like that and it's like there are trillions of you're like i don't know what that means man yeah. that, <laughs> like, i was like gibberish at first i was like oh yeah strawberry that that sounds like a, a fun fruity time but now it's like this is probably going to be more of a you know a, a healthier drink if anything <laughs> strawberry northern plant whatever that that's strangely vague <laughs> yeah no that that's that's interesting i i will say that so um speaking of kombucha you know i don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole but um have you have you heard of gt dave uh i'm trying to remember <laughs> what his thing so there's there's these youtubers that i watch um they did uh, a video called the kombucha king which you every everyone listening should absolutely go watch it so gt dave is a the the guy who invented i'm blanking on the the brand of camp of kombucha but he uh oh. gq did this big video where he's in this like yes. very modern house and he's like i don't move the chairs yep. and they did this whole video like goofing on him and then they actually went and met him and they like played up the bit but he's just like a regular yeah. dude but his name is gt dave and if you look on the kombucha bottle it says like um you know founder gt dave <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i think um because i think Cody Ko and Noel Miller. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are the homies. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I saw So that's, I totally, I've seen that video and it is hysterical because that guy, he looks like a robot. Like if there's ever someone that was a reptilian, it's like him and Zuckerberg, man, like those two are just the weirdest <laughs> yeah. like inhuman aliens. Yeah. I, you know, my, my wife's big on the kombucha, but I don't know. It's, it's not my go-to personally, but um, yeah, there's, uh, there's some good ones out there. I'll have to, I have virtually never tried it. And I think at this point it's out of spite. I, you know, too, too many people have told me and I'm like, I'll get to it when I get to it, man. Right. It's almost like the, the, the effects of people being so pro like vegan or straight edge. You're like, nah, like, stop it. Like, like chill out. I, if and I'm going to get there, I'm going to get there, but <laughs> straight up. Um, well, Brandon, I'm very excited to be chatting with you. Um, you know, Fox Lake has been a band that um, I see doing things a little bit different right now. And I feel like those um, bands that are trying new things and kind of trying to carve a, a new lane in the hardcore heavy space, uh, I think should be talked about more because that's a little bit harder to do. Uh, but before we get Thank super you. into that, um gotta do your origin of how you got into heavy music so yeah. take me back in time and tell me about the formative records moments uh for you and we'll start there cool um so i grew up in and most of the i think three out of the four of us in the band grew up in pretty strict religious households and so you know any kind of aggressive music was uh was not really on our radar um, until we found, I, I was listening to the, to the episode with Isaac and it was the same kind of thing. You had to kind of find a way to sneak it in where it's like, oh no, as I lay dying, like, I know what it sounds like, but this is actually a Christian band. You don't have to worry. And so it started off, I mean, like very, very early, like elementary school, getting into punk records, like Rufio, um, AFI, stuff like that. And then that kind of evolves into more and more aggressive music and, um, I remember having a conversation with my older brother. We were listening to Rise Against and it was one, of, I think it was uh, Blood Red, White and Blue, something, one of the songs on their earlier records had like a screaming passage in it. And I was like, yeah, this is so cool. And I don't really know what it is about it, but I, I was just really excited. And I'm in like third grade. And he was like, this is the part that I like the least. Like I wish that they could get rid of all of this oh, stuff. Really? Oh, and so yeah. So he was, he was not into any of that, but, um, I mean, that kind of evolved into, uh, yeah, like uh, Linkin Park. I heard on like an X Games PlayStation 2 video game soundtrack. And I, I got on my bike and I biked over to uh, Barnes & Noble, which is like a bookshop, music shop, yep. and picked up Hybrid Theory, like with my own. I like saved up, like biked over there, picked it up myself. And then, you know, and then that gets you into... Um, stuff like Slipknot that gets you into stuff like Under Oath that gets you like 
all of those types of bands chase the day um and then all of us were were kind of like aware of hardcore but it was more through the like the metalcore lens in terms of you know starting off with stuff like asking alexandria and attack attack and and stuff like that um but you know those bands were always touring with like for the fallen dreams and and eventually legend and stuff like that that was a little bit on the heavier spectrum and then also it was such a cool era with like myspace deathcore and stuff like that so you end up listening to the chelsea grin ep and and the doom ep from job for a cowboy and like you know there's just all of this elisha or elijah um all of this crazy music going on and i think one of the things that I really was excited about back then that I kind of missed was not having sort of the preference, not having any, like any intention behind it where I don't, you know, I like, I used to just be excited about music. It was just like, you know, like whatever band I like, I like their logo. So I check it out. Yeah. And I think um, that's a little bit harder to find now. Cause you end up as like, as people get more uh, versed in, in anything, whether it's art or, or, you know, whatever it is, you, you start to differentiate the differences in different things. So you have, you know, kind of more specific genres and you start to refine it down to, okay, it used to be, this is just aggressive music. And then it's like, okay, now it's hardcore. And now it's like beat down hardcore or punk hardcore, or, you know, posi hardcore straight at whatever, like there's all these different, you know, very specific sub genres that kind of get trickled down into this like ultra refined thing. And now when I go into it, I'm looking for specific things um, or I'm relating whatever I'm listening to, to to those specific things. If I hear a band and I think, oh, this sounds like this, this reminds me of this. Whereas, you know, in sixth grade, I'm listening to the Doom EP in the same way that I'm listening to Hybrid Theory. Like it's, it all kind of feels the same because you're just excited about it. Yeah, I, I think that there is, you know, the more further down the rabbit hole you go the the more like you you're like oh like this is zion like here's all these different things that i can get um yeah. invested in and and i do think that you're right that you know you're like okay this is beat down and then you go even further and you're like okay there's like these super older like 90s or 80s beat down bands exactly. like Irate or whatever so yeah i think like some some of that is really good because you can kind of see the vastness and and how heavy music um you know, goes really back in time, but there's a lot of things um, in the future that's to come and to be excited about that. But, you know, at the same time, like um, being open and being like, like, like listening to the things where you're like, I know for sure, like, I, you know, gun to my head, I could probably say that there's, you know, these top three sub genres that I naturally yeah. gravitate to a little bit more but there's still like bands exactly. that i'm like okay i want to you know i want to learn this subgenre because i i think like this would always happen where a band would put something out and it would be you know that next branch off and the first listen i'm not like yeah. in love with it but i like the band so much that i'm like i need to like listen to this 10 times over no stops so i can understand where the band was coming from when they wrote this riff this interlude had this exactly. you know guess so yeah it's important to just well, like force yourself i think it's yeah i think it's important to to be able to kind of recontextualize the sonic language that bands are trying to utilize where you have um I mean, for example, when I was in when I was in high school and I was in kind of those more scene core bands, it was, you know, Rise Records was like, that was the end all be all. Like that was, if you were signed to Rise, that was success. And so, <laughs> um, you know, listening to listening to like Scarlett O'Hara and, and stuff like that, which was um, starting from that place and then hearing bands like Terror and like Defeater, I was like, I don't get it. I like, I don't understand what this is. I don't really understand the energy, you know, where's the like chug, chug breakdown. This doesn't yeah. make any sense. And then as, as you kind of develop that encyclopedia of, of all the different sounds that are available, um, you can, again, start to kind of like reconnect different aspects of what you're listening to, to the point where you can have a connection to a new thing that didn't exist before. Yeah. So I, you know, I used to talk smack on a bunch of the hardcore bands that I absolutely like love now. And <laughs> 
it's it's frustrating because I wish I could go back and just and shake myself and be like, give it a shot, man. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just, Shut your you mouth. You just have to listen to it. Like, yeah. No. Yeah, it, come it, on, man. It, it's honestly pretty funny because that stems in hardcore and heavy space, but also with other stuff because, you know, th- maybe this is a very Canadian example, but I think the world overall shits on Nickelback as being this like a joke band or like, yeah. oh, you're from Canada. You must love Nickelback. But I'm like, have you listened to like the very first <laughs> Nickelback record? There's some fucking riffs on that, that like if Terror yes. or like any other like major hardcore band wrote, they'd be like, yeah, this is, this is great. But you know, yeah, just because hard. it's Nickelback, it's like this thing. So I think like, you know, pulling those things back, absolutely that's a big thing for me too you know, going back in time and, and listening to like, you know, like the earlier stuff that, you know, I, I, I'm similar with you in that sense where I, you know, Christian household. So I w- wasn't given like the mega deaths and the God smacks, but I'm like, man, exactly. this is stuff that I really missed out on. Cause I was like in that bubble for so long. So. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like, it's frustrating. Cause I think to a certain extent, there's a certain amount of legitimacy which is unfair and it's frustrating, but I think that a lot of kids don't view, I like, or rather I think there's a kind of a specific route that is viewed and deemed as like legitimate and in terms of like how you got into hardcore. Mm. And, you know, for a lot of kids, it's like, okay, if you weren't into punk and then you didn't get straight into hardcore, then like, you know, that's not real. If you didn't listen to 80s thrash early enough, then like, it's not legitimate. And like, I think that that can seem like that obviously contributes to a lot of elitism, but I think it's frustrating to see people exclude, um, you know, entire, like, like somebody's entire journey into something totally legitimate where somebody is participating in the scene. Somebody is, you know, like, you know, actively um, encouraging parts of the hardcore scene from a very real place based on how they got there, I think is, is frustrating um but you know i like i despite my criticism of it i definitely have found myself in that same place where i'm like man i you know really wish i would have gotten into cannibal corpse when i was a kid like really wish i would have gotten into death and and uh, like you know mortician like all these you know cool bands that like everyone else seemed to be aware of in like fourth grade somehow but you know, instead I'm listening to the newsboys and, and DC talk and all like, <laughs> Frank, yeah, the, uh, the veggie tales. The reference I don't up. think you ever thought you'd no, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. But that is very funny. And I do a hundred percent agree. Like I try to be as empathetic as I can. And I know that there are people who will never potentially check out this podcast because they know I'm a younger guy. So I didn't, you know, grow up mm-hmm. listening to like, the very first Madball record when it came out and like things like that. And some exactly. people will listen to those hardcore records because someone just has a greater tenure yet. At the same time, I think a lot of people have checked out this podcast because it is like from a call it, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm an older person or a younger person. I'm 20, I'm turning 28 in a, in a few weeks here. Yeah. But I think like it's, it's nice to have a more refreshing you know, take on certain things versus like the old 100%. head in the ro- in the room. And I think, exactly. you know, I'm not trying to talk shit on any of the old heads because I think there's lots to learn from, from those people. But I think at the same time, yeah. you know, kids who are 16, 17, 18, and they're like, this is how I got into hardcore. I think that's just as, uh, as relevant. And there's enough to, to exactly. learn for, for new bands as far as like, how are people consuming music? How are people like, listening 100 percent. yeah um so and i think yeah i think criticizing that um again like the the quote-unquote old heads it's like there's there's just as much frustration on that as there is admiration and i think mm. um because there's a there's a ton of records that i never would have listened to if i hadn't seen like the cool guys that i looked up to in the scene you know wearing a madball t-shirt you know like yeah you know, repping seven, eight, just seven play, like all that stuff. Like it's, that's the kind of stuff that wouldn't have even been on my radar if those people hadn't presented it to me, um, even inadvertently, not, not directly. And so, um, but again, so much of that depends on being able to understand that sonic language with enough 
kind of like history. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm in third grade and somebody handed me, you know, like a full of hell record, I, I would have thrown it in the trash. But once you've <laughs> gone through the necessary steps, like once you've listened to enough and you can kind of put that all together, then all of a sudden that stuff starts to make sense. And then you say, Oh, I understand why, you know, this like 33 year old dude still going to shows is like repping this band so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think like a lot of, a lot of people underestimate their influence in hardcore, whether they are, you know, mm -hmm. a 22 year old person in kind of like a hype band right now, or they are a 35 year old exactly. who has been in hardcore for so long. So I think, you know, talking about the bands that you do like really matters because some people are follow like i'm guilty of this i follow certain people um within the hardcore space and when they share a demo that i'm like i don't know this band i like you know there's you know you take that and then you take someone else who you know might be in hardcore but they don't have as much influence like there's always different things at play um, to put people onto new bands, you know, you wear one shirt, you know, in a podcast, there might be someone watching who's like, I don't know who that fuming mouth band is. And then they go check it out exactly. and they realize how great of a band that is. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, the constant being thoughtful of like, not like intentionally being like, I'm wearing this shirt. So people will listen to this band, but like thinking about that, you know, shouting out the people, uh, that you want to, uh, when you have those moments to, um, and just being like stoked on hardcore because everyone's got their different yeah. levels of uh, call it social media pre presence. But I think, you know, utilizing and, you know, being a constant support of one another um, does. I don't think that there's any losses in that. I think it's only wins for people. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. I think that there's a difference between support and like performance. And that, that can start to turn into a fine line where, you, you know, it's like, if you're, if you're really going through your closet before the show, like, you know, who's going to be there? What am I going to like, you know, what kind of show is this? Should I wear this shirt? And like, I am, I am super guilty of that every once in a while where I'm like, I'll kind of catch myself and be like, man, you're putting a lot of effort into this. Like, <laughs> like if you own the shirt then like you care about that band. And so it doesn't matter what shirt you're wearing, where, or who's around, like, just, you're just going to the show mm -hmm. and so i think that um I, sometimes there's i've seen bands and it's a fine line to walk where you kind of you legitimize yourself through kind of association where you know it's more about okay you know who are we who are we shouting out who are we uh you know what circles are we trying to stay in very specifically through you know, kind of intentional action versus like, we're just excited about this band. We're excited about this band and, you know, we're whatever it is. So again, there's a, there's that fine line between just general excitement about hardcore. Like you said, like you're just stoked on whatever mm. versus kind of intentional performance. And um, that's hard. It's a hard line to walk. Yeah. And I, I think you can have a, I don't know. I think you have to check yourself to not like call out like that kind of stuff, but like, you know, cause you, you, even if you see something, you know, it's like, well, my gut tells me this. Like, I think, you know, that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I think you just mm -hmm. need to make sure you're in check and being like, am I, you know, am I being, do I have influence either through a band or a platform or whatever? And am I using that to better my community? Even if you're like exactly. just a casual show goer, like I have, I have plenty of those friends who are very avid for like, putting out new music and i know yeah. that their friend circles aren't just in the heavy space so i think it all matters to constantly be uh promoting one another and just like the uh you know as corny as this sounds the spirit of hardcore so um yeah 100 so so brandon we've uh, i i've been enjoying these chats but i i definitely want this podcast to hit on you know the music stuff that you're a part of <laughs> as well um so you play in a band called fox lake and uh, you put out a LP, like I mentioned earlier. And, uh, you know, I feel like the vibe of what you guys are doing, like I said before, is like very in its own lane. And I think that's really healthy to see versus like a lot of other, you know, I guess subgenres that are off of what you guys are doing and, you know, hardcore, mm -hmm. metalcore, even beatdown. So talk to me about that release specifically and just like what, how you guys wanted to market that and package that together and just create the uh the vibe of that band 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first off, thank you. Um, second off, I think we, when we started again, it was kind of offshoots of a couple different bands. We had some demos lying around and, um, our vocalist, Nathan kind of came, we had a song that was written and he was trying to figure out what to do vocally. And he kind of sat us down and was like, you know, I actually, I, I think I might want to rap on this. Like, what would you guys think about that? And when we started, it was like, yeah, we'll throw in like one verse, but we'll still be like, it's still heavy. Like we'll still be a heavy, right. but like, we'll have like maybe one rap part. And then as we, as we started doing it, it became so organic in terms of like, that's just kind of the vibe that we were feeling. That's what was getting us excited. And so we kind of started chasing that feeling unintentionally. You know, we were like, when he would have a really cool verse that would sit on the top of something that was more groove based that we, you know, we were like, oh man, we got to write, you know, well, okay, then we'll put this in the second verse. And that, that just kind of kept the wheels rolling. Whereas um, when we were just writing, you know, a mosh part, we would get excited, but it was kind of like, that's what that is. And so the whole band kind of started off as an experiment in terms of, um, you know, how can we accomplish having these different sounds that, that a lot of times stand in the face of one another. Like, you know, I think, one of the hard parts that we've always encountered is is uh, trying to be a heavier band. You immediately get associated with um, with kind of like the new metal or new metal core or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of different bands doing that kind of thing, and unfortunately, there's a lot of them that it feels gimmicky or um, it can come off just kind of cringy. And I, I know for a fact that there are a lot of people that that immediately, and I, I don't fault them for this, but immediately as soon as they hear rapping over heavy music, it's like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's a line that for some people just is like, no thanks, I don't need any of that in my hardcore. Like, just give me, just give me the hardcore. Um, but I think, you know, we, there were a, there were a set of, I don't want to say rules because that puts it in a box, but when we, when we first started writing and we were, we were experimenting with the, with the rapping, we knew exactly what we didn't want to do a lot more than we knew what we did want to do. Um, we knew where we didn't want to take it. We knew what we didn't want it to be associated with. Um, and so it was a very intentional kind of avoidance of specific tropes and stuff like that, which was cool because it, it, left you know when you say okay we're not going to do this that means we have all of this other stuff that we are going to do um so as opposed to trying to put us in a box and saying okay we are going to be a hardcore band we are going to be a metalcore band we're going to be an xyz band like all of us listen to so much different music and take inspiration from so many different things and um you know go to hardcore shows twice a week or or you know some of us like almost not at all and so there's there's all these different kind of uh, inspirations and and ways that we can build um from different places and the the coolest thing is that we've never said we want to do this more we want to do this less or anything like that it's it's always been we kind of know what we're avoiding and then anything else is fair game yeah um yeah and i feel like that so we can have Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like that is as crucial as, you know, knowing kind of what you want to do. Like, do you want to have fat? Like, do you want to have a bunch of fast songs or like what's the yeah. production quality that you want to kind of stay within? You know, I think everyone has their thing that they want to, uh, you know, for, for me, like I've definitely, you know, over the multiple bands that I've been a part of, like I would say the song lengths have definitely just gone down. Uh, in time over time because I just have like no patience on like hearing something that you know is like over you know you know four or five minutes like it's very few and far between where it's um I'll I'll just plug uh there's this uh band from Toronto that just put out uh an an EP it was an album it's called Problem Child but the band's called uh Real World and the first song after the intro is like five and a half minutes and I was listening to it. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like it hits on all these different things and it doesn't get boring. So I want to plug real world, um, you know, for, for really being ballsy and putting a five and a half minute song as the, you know, initial yeah. debut. 
Um, but as like right off the right off the intro. Yeah, I'll, I'll shoot it to you after after the pod. But I do think that Please. it's really important to like like you said, like know what you don't want to do, but then like you said, you have all these options. Um, and I and I do think that it's interesting, like you said, like there are people that just hear rapping or just like you know uh, a vocal style that's very fast that could be considered rapping um but you know they're just out but like i was listening to uh the the newest never-ending game and i'm just like man like mm-hmm. there's like almost more rapping than like hardcore like spitting yeah. uh on that record God, which that is good. like yeah it's it's crazy so it's strange to hear and yeah i think so much of that is just you have to package it correctly where you can kind of like trojan horse it into the to the hardcore scene where you know if if you do it this way people are like absolutely not but as soon as you do it like if there's old english font then it's like oh maybe i love this band like you know like that kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) you just have to like you just have to sneak it by them and i think um that's one of the things that we've been most excited about is uh like so much of the of the criticism and, and stuff that we've gotten on the record, I shouldn't say criticism, so much of the uh, feedback that we've gotten on the record is that, you know, people, they kind of expect one thing and then, you know, based on the, based on the album art, and then they hear the first, the first couple minutes of, of tunnel vision and they say, oh, okay, so I think I know what this, you know, I, oh, it's like, this sounds like a mirror. This sounds like hacktivist, whatever. And then we have a couple of these riffs where it's like, well, hold on, no, that's, that's not quite what I thought it was. And then as you get, you know, X number of songs deep down to, you know, the last breakdown in, in IYKYK, the last track on the record, there's, there's a couple, there's curveballs throughout the album and and sonically it's not consistent enough to say, okay, this sounds like, you know, X, Y, or Z band. Um, And that's, that's something that we've been very intentional about. We don't want to write, you know, we've got, we're, we're already writing for the full length um, and we're, we're hoping to put out some new music here in a couple months. Um, don't quote me on that. <laughs> but I think, uh, I like, we've got songs that sound everywhere from like orthodox, like system of a down type stuff, just, you know, faster riffy, but like thick riffs. And then, you know, we've got some stuff that's more absence of mind, more turnstile, more like trapped under ice, kind of like dance riffs almost that are just, you know, head bobs. We've, we've got some stuff that, you know, straight up Rage Against the Machine where we're trying to see um, how accessible can we make music without sacrificing anything, without, you know, pulling any punches to make it available to a, to a wider audience. Um, so that's and that's something that we've always been excited about is being able to have as many i mean like stuff like fuming mouth we you're gonna hear you're never gonna hear something from a fuming mouth record directly onto our album you would never compare fox like to fuming mouth but like i listen to the grand descent all the time like i love that album and their their new ep is insane and so there's sonically it absolutely influences the way that i play guitar and you can you know there's times where I'll turn on an album then I'll kind of be playing along and then I'll pause the album because you hear something and then you kind of workshop a riff and next thing you know something from like a grind band like a deathcore band or like whatever you want to call it goes to again like a like a metalcore or like you know hip-hop hardcore in a in a way that's not recognizable like you can't you would never be able to trace that back but Yeah, I, th- I think the I like the term that you use, like having curveballs within your music that aren't so segregated from like everything else you guys are doing, but it's enough to be like, you know, you're on the roller coaster and then you hit that like sharp turn and you're going straight yeah. down and then you come up. Like, I feel like, you know, like I, I hesitate from getting to the point where I'm doing like reactions to like new music, but I honestly, like if yeah. I'm in the car and I'm listening to any new music and then this like just out of nowhere like the guitars cut out and it's bass and drums like my mouth is just like are you serious so like i think some of those like really opportune times to really like think about like okay we want to we know what we want to do but how can we like always keep people on their toes um with our music yeah and one of the challenges that that's brought is is trying to make sure that it doesn't sound random and it doesn't sound out right. of plate. Like we don't ever yeah. want to write. It's, it's a very a fine just... line with like not being um, 
I, I, I played in a band once with this guy who was like, he was very critical of like how some hardcore bands would just be stapling riffs together. Like there wouldn't be any flow. Yeah. It would just yep. be like, here's this riff. And then it's like, and then it's to the next thing. So I think, yeah. you know, I, I think there's, um, you know, there's a lot of bands who, you know, th- I think that's why I love crossover so much. Cause it's like such few riffs, but there's so many different yeah. types of beats and flows that you can do within that. Um, you know, we're kind of all over the place, but one thing I did want to touch on what you said is, um, your vocalist will, will have, it seems like you guys work in, in multiple ways where he might have, uh, you know, a verse or, uh, an entire song done. And then you're working the music around that, or, uh, has it also happened the, the other way where you guys build a song and then he's, you know, uh, cause a lot of the riffs, um, aren't super, like there are some that are very intricate, but there are some that are very like simple and simplistic, yeah. and I'm sh- and I'm sure that's been intentional for the the lyrics and the 100%. flow to to shine. I so typically the the process is um, I've got my little my little like studio setup, and so I'll demo out a song, you know, kind of top to bottom. So we'll have the the DNA of the whole song ready to go, and then I'll bring it to practice and and. Um, I like, obviously I'm not a drummer. And so I'll hand it to the drummer and he'll be able to kind of, you know, spice parts up and we'll say, okay, this actually sounds a little bit weird. Let's turn this into a two-step or that, you know, like this riff kind of comes out of nowhere. Let's work out a transition. But, um, and then vocally, what usually happens is we'll, we'll kind of get, we'll build on that framework to the point where it's, you know, 80% done. And then if he's writing, he can say, Oh, you know, like I'm actually, I'm stuck in a really solid flow. Let's extend that verse a little bit. Or, uh, um, okay. you know, just recently we, we had a song where I had written this like weird riff that I was like super jazzed on. Cause it was nothing that I had ever like, done before. Sure. I was like super into it. And, um, and then we had this, uh, almost like power trip, kind of like thrash, like, emptier part after it, which is really and we were super excited about it and we wanted to capitalize on that riff and he was saying vocally i just don't really hear how we can kind of build up to this next point comfortably because the riff is so strange there's not like vocally i can't really like settle into that to be able to build to the next part mm-hmm. and so we ended up kind of workshopping that so that's that's typically where he'll be able to kind of put his his two cents in in terms of like the song um, and then he'll, he'll be able to go through and kind of write everything out once we've made those changes. And then it's more of a collaborative thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, and it's, it's definitely cool to be able to work with everyone on that. And it's cool because we are on the same page way more often than we're not, which is not something that I'm used to. I've been in other bands before where it's kind of always somebody's fighting for one thing or another and, and. And that is so rare, which is really, really cool. And typically we can find something that everyone's excited about. And if we're not all jazzed on it, then like we don't really push. There's probably, I don't know, six or seven different songs that we have written that are good, but we don't feel like this is exactly what we want. And and that's one of the reasons that we put out the eight songs on Silence and Violence with the two interludes, as opposed to, just trying to like pad the track listing um you know we didn't want to put out a 12 song record that only had six good songs um so and that's hard that's definitely hard because you'll put time and effort into something and then it's like we're just never going to use it and you're like okay well <laughs> yeah well you know Maybe like <laughs> I, I think sometimes like you can you know you know point to my book sh- or my not my bookshelf my camera shelf but you can shelf songs and then like over time it's like yeah the one riff that was the missing piece that brings it 100%. all together. So that's very cool. Um, 100%. So I know on the, on the, on the latest release, you guys had a couple features. Um, and I think uh, a question that's warranted to ask because you guys are tapping into that hip hop uh, rapping side. If there was ever a dream collab for Fox Lake and to have a, a vocal feature, you know, on that, you know, anthrax public enemy level like yeah you know, no the sky's the limit who who would your personal pick be uh ours we actually at just 
completely out of curiosity and more as a joke, but we sent an email to Killer Mike from Run the Jewels. Um, so like Killer Mike would be insane. Uh, like Zach De La Rocha, obviously um, huge inspiration if we could like, and I, it's, it's more stuff that we think would fit well. Um, yeah. And so having somebody with that more aggressive delivery and, and also kind of like politically lining up, although that's not hard to find because there's a lot of comparisons between hip hop and hardcore in terms of like the sort of social stances, but um, yeah, Killer Mike, uh, we've been listening to Royce to five, nine, a ton. Um, there's, there's a rapper who's actually from Denver, uh, named old man Saxon. I'm going to plug him and he's fantastic. Uh, a lot more like boom bap, kind of like chill sure. stuff. Um, but like, if there's ever a place where we can put it in, like, that's the kind of stuff that's like, you know, we would love to be able to, to bridge that gap. Um, yeah, I'd say probably Killer Mike would take the cake. I think that'd be good. Yeah. I, and I, LP, I, I, both of them. Yeah, I think that is uh, pretty crucial to like have that like raw like energy, like, you know, versus if it was like Drake, he'd be like, oh, I'm so sad. Like, exactly. it just wouldn't fit exactly. very well. Yeah, we, you know, we've got crazy riffs and then you have to bring the like instrumentally bring the energy down like a ton to match right. where they're at down here. And then you have to figure out how to get all the way back up. But <laughs> yeah it's yeah oh man yeah it, and i and i do believe that it's really cool to you know talk about those things because who knows if zach is like yeah you know in 2021 i i do want to like kind of go back down into this like very like smaller music scene because that yeah. that would be insane mind-blowing so and that's that's almost the way that we wound up um on management with our manager bill and uh and the label with modern empire we kind of we hadn't really anticipated silence and violence being like a, a label release um we we recorded it in our buddy's bedroom he did an unbelievable job so it doesn't sound like that but um it was over the course of a couple months you know it was like we do a saturday here and then a sunday here and whatever right. um and kind of pieced it together and then we were sitting on the on the album and we were like you know, we know we didn't want to just kind of like drop it out of nowhere, but more as an exercise, we, we sent out emails to a couple different places and we have like, we've got a, we've all been in the scene for a long time. So we've got a lot of connections with different people. You know, everyone knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of followed some of those trails down to, um, you know, to be able to get in contact with a couple different people. And next thing you know, um, you know, we're hearing back from a manager, we're hearing back from a booking agent, we're hearing back from the label. And it was kind of like, oh, like, okay, could be awesome. I, you know, we did not really anticipate that. And so it's cool to be able to, to have that. And so, you know, exactly like that, like you were saying with Zach, if, if you never know, I, like we sent those emails kind of just as out of curiosity. And then next thing you know, somebody's like, actually, yeah, yeah. uh, sure. You know, we'd love it to, just takes one. You know, we love the it record. Just takes we love one. the time. Like, exactly yeah i, I and think that's what happened with dan from oh go ahead oh no i was just gonna say i i think a lot of people get like in their mind it's like it has to be this label it has to be this and like yeah just send out a hundred emails and then maybe one person maybe three get back to you and then maybe one actually does it and if it's not that exactly. hundred do another hundred like you know always thinking like just just trying and putting yourself out there and you know for a lot of people that's a very like scary thing to do is like always getting that rejection but like always be always believing if like if you think your shit is like is fire then just like someone else 100%. is gonna do that and you know even if it's not now keep doing it in five years and i'm and i'm sure yeah someone will see that um you, you were talking about daniel from uh from gideon i'm guessing yeah, that's, I just, uh, to kind of finish that thought, that was essentially what happened with him as well. We, um, our drummer is like the biggest Gideon super fan, but he also has gotten the chance to hang out with them. And so it's, it's kind of evolved into like, you know, more of a friendship acquaintance kind of thing where, um, you know, it started off where he was just like, oh my gosh. But um, he went and saw them a couple of times and was able to, you know, to chat with them. And then they started recognizing him and, um and so, you know, he was able to kind of forge a, a legitimate interaction with those guys. 
And we were, we were again, bouncing back and forth on, on features that we wanted. And we had this kind of emptier part because we knew that we wanted somebody vocally to like really, uh, you know, to make that thing pop yeah. in code name. And, um, and so we, you know, we just sent an email to, to Gideon's manager and Dan actually just messaged our, our drummer Griffith directly, he, you know, cause they, they follow each other on social media and stuff. And it was like, Hey, I hear you guys were looking for a feature. I'd love to do that. You know, we make it happen. Um, and so again, it was something that, that we weren't sure if, if he was, you know, even like able based on the label or management or anything like that, or, or interested in, in hooking us up with, with a feature. And, um, is insanely kind of him and it really made the song like that's that's one of our favorite parts of the record by far yeah when you sent it to me i was like kind of going through i was like oh daniel and like gideon is a, a huge band to me specifically um uh they came through this was many many moons ago but they were on tour with hundredth this is like back yep. in like 2012 maybe or maybe 2011, yep. um, but they stayed at my house, and I remember specifically um, no way. the other Daniel, uh, who, who was playing guitar, um, I, I, I'm not going to even try to pronounce his last name, it's like McCarty or something, <laughs> but uh, I remember specifically, like, that band has, you know, influenced my songwriting and, you know, a lot of some other projects I was doing, so I remember specifically, uh, you know, Jake was like in my shower freaking out about the tea tree shampoo that I had because it was buzzing his hair. And then, yeah, it gives you like tingly hair. And then Daniel was like showing me, this is just before they did uh, Milestone uh, or Milestones. And uh, he was showing me like on his laptop on like, you know, iTunes back when that existed. And no he's like showing way. me, um, he was showing me still alive. And I was like freaking out. I was like, who's yep. that voice? And then that's how I got put on yep. the Kublai Khan and like that band has been huge for me. So, um, I exactly. actually have, um, Matt's like, uh, Matt from Kublai Khan's lyrics of that song tattooed on my feet. So it's, it's That's huge, so cool. huge for me. I would love to have Daniel on the podcast at some point just to talk Ab about. Absolutely. Yeah. Band's done a lot for, um, we, uh, yeah, we definitely, I mean like the Kublai Khan, influence is very apparent in terms of like like the songwriting which again kind of like we were talking about earlier that's not i don't think anyone would listen to us and be like oh that reminds me of kublacon it's, it's kind of different camps but the way that we approach a lot of the riffs and stuff um not only to make room for the for the rapping but also um just to give it more of a head bob kind of like streamlined feel a lot of times, like the parts that hit hardest on some of the Kublacon records are the ones where they're not, you know, crazy riffing. It's not spilled all over the place. It's when you can just really like settle into the groove and everyone, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like watching them live, the whole room is just it, like everyone's on the same page. And so being able to like, that's really what we wanted to capitalize on for the, and that's kind of like for the band in general is, is hitting those parts where everyone's head is bobbing. Everyone's like, you know, just like right locked into that pocket with you and so um similar to to what um the drummer from v streets and tsunami uh he he had a little bit where he was talking about yeah. you kind of got to strip it back a little bit and there's Dumb parts it where that's going to make just, it a lot more effective exactly yeah no I, I i think that there's a lot of like really good things there like you know kublai khan um like i don't know i i feel like they don't get as much credit on how they influenced a lot of call it heavier hardcore um just with what yeah, they did 100%. i feel like it's it's you know i'll go on record to say i would argue it's probably as much i i, I don't think that they got to that level that knock loose did but i think that they did the same amount of influence just because yeah. i remember seeing those like early early knock loose videos where they were playing in like a community center to like 20 kids and i've seen mm -hmm. those same videos with kublai khan but like people are just freaking yep. out because it's like how are these like parts so heavy, but it's just dun, dun, dun. like, that's it. Yep. Yeah. And like, I mean, so much of that is production, but like production only helps. It only gets you so far. You have to have a solid, strong structure. You have to have like, really like the, the foundation needs to be there. And yeah, I like, I mean, even going back to like two by four um, oh, bands yeah, like that, yeah, that yeah, we're yeah, doing yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. that kind of like, thicker you know it wasn't down tempo it wasn't beat down it but it was heavier than hardcore and yeah. so no one really knew like you know what do you call it and so 
that's but the, yeah that's exactly the kind of stuff where we're trying to kind of find that niche where you can you can filter out some of the more you know busier riffs and some of the crazier songwriting stuff to just have it punch as effectively as possible and we just wanted to hit like a hammer every single time yeah and yeah that's so kubla Khan, two by four i like and and frost coffin now um another unbelievable band but like which is again interesting because you'd never listen to it and or you'd never listen to silence and violence and say oh this reminds me of of you know texas death type riff like it's because <laughs> they're not there but right the the energy and the the intentionality behind it and the um you know, the approach to songwriting is something that we definitely uh, try to emulate. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm happy that we got to hit on all those bands. If there's three of those that I would for sure want to have in season two, it would be, you know, Daniel from Gideon, Matt from Kulai Khan, and then uh, some, someone from Frost Coffin. Because I, as soon oh, as yeah. I saw them at Snow and Flurry, I was like, holy fuck, like this band is so damn yeah. catchy. So. I'm, I watch I'm itching. That, that so often. <laughs> <laughs> I'm itching for a Frost Coffin LP. Um, well, Brandon, we, uh, we got to start wrapping it up here, but I did have, uh, you know, this is going to be a total veer off from the conversation. Um, did you, I, I saw a video that you guys did for a Halloween set where uh, you guys were dressed as can the hat yeah. and uh thing one two and three <laughs> uh can you break that down yeah. for me or for the people that might not have seen that video oh my gosh that's so funny i don't even know where you would have found that that's hysterical um I, yeah I, that I'll was... just, I, before you say um the the way that i research some of my guests is if they don't have you know some some bands want to start from scratch with like a newer release it's always in the tag mm -hmm. you go to the tagged photos and videos and that's where you can yep. go back in time and be like oh this band played this <laughs> that's show. where the dirt is <laughs> that's so funny yeah um that was one of the funnest shows that we've ever played but um it was there's a really really cool community um specifically down in colorado springs which is about an hour and a half outside of denver um there's a venue down there called the black sheep with like it's just it's one of those home venues i like you know all the homies work there um they throw all the shows they know all the people um and they they have put on a couple different fests and things like that um not unlike snow and flurry um get a couple bands from the midwest and things like that it's an unbelievable venue and um so they put on a halloween show and everyone was dressed up for their for their set and uh we i i think most people did kind of like the casual halloween thing where you know like you wear like the flannel and, and jeans and you say oh i'm a lumberjack like it's just like whatever you had in your <laughs> yeah, closet it's lazy and you kind of have to yeah, put it yeah, yeah. yeah you just put a costume together and you're like that's what it is and we went to spirit halloween uh, we went to two different spirit Halloweens actually, because one of them was sold out and we were like, you know, walking through everything. There's like Fortnite costumes all over the place. And we're trying to figure out what, you know, like what we want to do. And we found these, this cat in a hat thing, one, two, and three costume. And we were just dying because it's, they're these tiny short shorts, like it's, and they didn't have any in like an extra large. And so, our bassist, his boxers are like poking out from under. <laughs> like it's like not even long enough to cover his underwear. Like it was so hysterical. And one of our friends uh, was dressed as Fred Durst, and she. We were sound checking, and she hopped up on stage, and we started playing a little a little clip of break stuff, uh, just because <laughs> she was dressed the part. And that was, yeah, that whole show was so much fun, and and that whole venue deserves the world yeah no i i i do think that there i think that there are go-tos for a lot of hardcore bands when it comes to like halloween stuff where you know they'll do the kiss makeup or stuff like that but yeah i just do some corpse paint I, yeah i think out of any halloween band costumes i've seen that is by far my favorite <laughs> so i have to i have to applaud applaud you on that one thank you yeah i don't i don't know how our vocalist didn't pass out because that thing it had to be a billion degrees in this like fur like head to toe long sleeve right and like that hat i don't know how it stayed on his head the whole time man what a <laughs> yeah, blast just like toppling down <laughs> flopping oh yeah, yeah.
God, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely splice in the clip here uh, so people can at least get the idea of what that is. <laughs> um, well, Brandon, uh, we can officially kind of do the last end question here on the podcast. And you've listened to a fair amount. It sounds like so I'm sure you're you're ready for it. Um, tell me a favorite uh, Mosh story of yours. So, again, that doesn't need to be something that happened. You know, it doesn't need to be Fox Lake related doesn't need to be happened to you. It could have just been something you see, whatever is the first thing to your mind. I, I was trying, I'm like trying to come up with one. None are really like, that's the one. Like I have a couple, like one of the first shows I ever went to, I was trying to impress a girl and (laughs) she brought me out to, she brought me out to a show and she was like a just mosh warrior and it was my first like kind of hardcore show. I'd been to concerts before, but I hadn't really been to like a like a basement venue yeah. hardcore band show. And so I'm kind of out of my element. I don't really know what's going on. And I want to say it was Bury Your Dead and Throwdown. And Bury Your Dead started playing and she started moshing and she hit some kid in the forehead and broke her wrist. And the kid got like knocked out. And I was kind of standing on the edge of the pit and I was like, I have never seen anything like this in my life. I don't understand what is going on. Like, I was like, that girl is terrifying and I'm like very attracted to it, but like, what, like, this is so insane. Right. And then there's another one. um, It's one of my favorite. We have like in the band, there are certain songs and bands and things like that, that we, that just bring the demons out of us. And, And so um we always try to warn each other and it's like heads up man if you're anywhere near me during this song i'm i'm going to hurt you and it's because like it's like it's like because i know that i can i can hit you and it's like like it's like a fun thing for the two of us and so we'll get violent and so that uh, boundaries came uh, again to the black sheep they came and uh they had i they hadn't played cross my heart yet on the new album and so i didn't think that they were going to do it and they hadn't played it live and uh but i told i told our drummer i was like hey man if they play cross my heart and that last breakdown i'm i'm gonna hurt you and i'm going to be mean about it and he was kind of like all right man we'll see like you talk a big talk we'll see what happens and they they got into the intro and i just grabbed him and i was like it's happening (laughs) and same thing happened with our vocalist and the drummer. The drummer gets beat up a little bit. He he gets bullied a lot. Um, <laughs> he's, but our he's vocalist the bag said the, the same band. thing. Yeah, a little bit. He brings it on himself. He's the sweetest person alive, and also just the absolute worst. He um he we were we were gonna go see. It was I am Kublacon. I think it was on the Despised Icon tour. Oh, okay. um, yeah, yeah. And I think ingested, but it was yeah, it was I am and Kublacon, and. I want to say it's during peel back the skin. There's this, there's this one riff that our vocalist is just like that, like that's what heavy music is. Like, this is the one. Right. He's like, if they play that part, I'm, I'm going to hurt you. And like, luckily our, the drummer is the sweetest dude alive. And so he, and he takes it, he was like, all right. <laughs> so he, you know, he didn't run off. He was like, here we go. But, but yeah, I, we've all got a couple of those songs where it's like, just as a heads up, it's going to get violent and I'm going to, I'm, it's going to be on you. Yeah. Like you're going to be taking the breath of this. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like you painted that perfectly. Like this song brings the demons out of me and just like, at least giving your homies a fair warning of like, this is my, uh, this is my possession song. So please uh, forgive me. If, uh, if hell, I'm not responsible. If hellfire rings down because of it. Um, well, Brandon, this has truly been a blast. I'm really glad that we finally got to connect and it sounds like, you know, there's a lot of uh, really cool things uh, that you guys are working on. I lost your video and we're back. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, there we go. You're all good. Okay. Um, is there Perfect anything timing. that you want to plug, shout out, um, send people after this podcast? The floor is yours for whatever you got. Awesome. Um, yeah, let's see. There's. We're hoping to, we're in, we're in the process of writing. We're going to be heading to the studio in two weeks three weeks something like that so we're we're trying to have music out asap and specifically with covid just trying to keep content flowing trying to get stuff out as much as possible um so we'll we'll have new music coming soon um trying to do a full length by the end of the year but we'll see how that goes um we've got new merch coming we've got we just restocked on merch if you want to check out the the online store foxlake.band um 
there's a bunch of awesome bands in Colorado right now that are just super killing it. And two that come readily to mind are Mouth for War and Mind's Eye. Um, if you can have anyone from either of those bands on the podcast, that would be killer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I think that's about it. Just just trying to stay on the grind and and keep streaming silence and violence. Keep checking out the music videos. Let us know what you think. I'm legitimately so curious all the time to see what people have to say for all the reasons that we talked about. I I think some people dislike it, and if you do, then I want to know why. Yeah. No, and and I think like recognizing you know the thing is not everyone is going to give a fuck about your music, but the people that do, and especially I think the more that you delve into your own lane, the more cult fans that you're going to get. Um, so I, you know, I I'll consider myself one of those fans. I'm I'm really excited to see what you guys do next. <laughs> and uh, thank, thank you, you so man. much again for coming on. And uh, I'll I'll leave you to your giant green tea. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, yeah i got some i got some drinking to do i'm a little bit behind yeah all right thanks for listening <laughs>